in that world, it's like it's really not about uh, like performing for yourself. It's about providing a service. Mm. So we view it that way. They're, we're getting paid well to provide a service. Um, sure. We want to make the client happy. Um, so we try to have a pretty big repertoire to be able to to accommodate that. This episode is brought to you by Bandzoogle. This is how you should be creating your website. I've made many websites on Bandzoogle for years, long before they were paying me to tell you about it. I told everyone about it because it's super, super easy. Don't mess around with web developers. Let me tell you, the most frustrating people on planet Earth are web developers. No offense to my brother, who is a web developer. He's amazing. He was the one who originally built Ari'sTake.com. You're awesome, Mika. Hey, what up? Okay. Uh, but they're frustrating. They're always overworked. They take on too many projects. They're always getting sniped by startups that will pay them way more than any independent musician can pay them. So you should not be messing around with web developers. Stop paying web developers. Seriously. You know this by now if you have been hiring web developers for your websites. You can't get a hold of them. You can't afford them. And they are just the turnaround times are way too long. So Banzoogle, this is how you can build a website. It's super easy. They also have a built-in store, commission-free. You can sell music. You can sell downloads, PDFs. Whatever you want to sell, it's all commission-free. They have a crowdfunding service. This is new. That's also commission-free. They also have a subscription service on there if you want to kind of start your own fan club and have subscribers, fans, patrons, whatever you want to call them, commission-free. This is all at Banzoogle.com. You can get a 30-day free trial if you use the code ARI. That's my name. And you also get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Go to Banzoogle.com. Use the promo code ARI. That's just spelled A-R-I for 15% off the first year of any subscription. What's going on? Welcome to the New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book, third edition, coming very, very soon, January, January 23. It's looking like, so look out for that. Today, my guest is Kerry Rayburn. He is the band leader and trumpet player, frontman of Good Company. Now, Good Company, they make uh, a high six figures uh, every year. That's that's in a non-COVID year. Uh, playing private events, special events, and the Performing Arts Center market. If you're curious about how to break into the Performing Arts Center market, this is the episode for you. But also private events, weddings, all of that kind of stuff. We, we touch on that at the end because that's where they specialize. But the Performing Arts Center market is something that I've always found intriguing, never really knew much about, but always knew kind of similar to colleges that they pay a lot of money for artists that don't really necessarily have much of a fan base. And we get into all of that and how that works and how you can break in if you're interested and just... You're going to walk away from this episode an expert on the Performing Arts Center, also known as PAC market, also private events, all that kind of stuff. And as you hear, we reference uh, the course, Carrie references the course a few times. That's the Ari's Take Academy course. Um, I enlisted Carrie after having a bunch of conversations with him and being so intrigued and uh, just just astounded by his his wealth of knowledge in this this area in this market i enlisted him to teach the aristic academy course on special events so if you want to learn more about this and he talks about it more at the end too you can go to aristicacademy.com and check out the special events course it is application only because uh it is um we want to make sure that the right artists are coming into that it's a very small community we have agency showcases and all of that so if you think you're right after listening to this episode you're like you know what this is probably the market for me um you can check out the course uh, special events for Ari's Take Academy. But for right now, please subscribe to the show, follow the show, like it. However you're listening to it right now, just pause it real quick, hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we'd love if you could leave a five-star review. Those really, really help. I love reading the reviews, hearing what you have to say. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, hit me a comment. I try to get back to all the comments there. Love to hear what you think. Give it a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. And head over to aristake.com. Get on that email list. That's where we send out the most up-to-date information. You can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can find me, Ari Herstand, on Instagram and Twitter. All right, let's kick into the show. Harry Raven, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ari. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm excited to to dig in with you today because you exist in this uh, really unique part of the music industry that rarely gets discussed. Um, honestly, before I kind of met you, I had only heard about it peripherally because a friend of mine worked. He was like booking music at a performing arts center once, and he told me about the crazy. Uh, numbers that were being thrown around in terms of like performance fees and stuff like that. And I didn't even know this, this thing exists. I mean, I've of course, you know, seen performing arts centers and I've, I've attended shows there, mostly like touring Broadway stuff or big like orchestra, orchestral stuff. But when we met, you know, uh, and your electro swing band, good company, uh, you found this really incredible niche um, in this kind of private event, corporate world, wedding world, but also, most interesting to me uh, is the Performing Arts Center market. And um, can you just, I guess, break down, um, let's let's start here. Let's start with what are Performing Arts Centers and what is this whole market that you have uh, excelled in in uh, the past uh, however many years? Yeah, uh, a while now. <laughs> the last how couple of years, years yeah. don't count. Right. <laughs> uh, well, the band's been around for 10 years or okay. so, and uh, I'd say we've been doing the Performing Arts Center market for like, I don't know, eight or so. Okay. Um, so I, the Performing Arts Center market is, is the venues are basically, uh, most cities and towns uh, have, uh, uh, might have a theater that we would call a Performing Arts Center. So like okay. a suburb of Seattle is Kirkland. Um, mm -hmm. There's the Kirkland Performing Arts Center. Mm -hmm. And they put on shows, they bring artists in to uh, present shows to their community. Mm -hmm. um, other areas might have, um, you know, they might use a local church and put on shows and they might do like a series of concerts or events. Um, so Performing Arts Centers can really vary in size. They can be like really, really large um, venues like, mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. Paramount in Seattle is a really large venue. It's it's also considered a performing arts center. They bring in like Broadway shows and things like that. And what are um, we talking in terms of like capacity of of that theater, or that room? Uh, that place. That's one of the biggest ones in Seattle. So it's like, oh, I don't know, um, several thousand. Yeah. 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 And then you might also have like a place that's like out in Wyoming that might be you know just a really small. Or they might host it at like the the local high school's auditorium, and it might be just a couple hundred people mm. in size. And is this is it kind of like the community? Uh, is it funded by the community? Or, or talk talk to me about like like who owns performing arts centers, the, these theaters, or are they connected? Is there a central mm -hmm. uh, organization in the country somewhere that owns all of them, or does the community? Or tell me how that structure works out. Yeah, it's kind of varied. So um, there's no like central organization that owns. They're all independent um, okay. entities. Um, but some of them are might be uh, you know concert series that are put on by like a city mm. or by a community group. Um, a lot of them are nonprofits. Like a lot of theaters will be nonprofits. Uh, the Paramount, for example, is actually a for-profit, I believe. Okay. Um, so it really, really runs the gamut. But um, a lot of the more rural, rural areas will be like nonprofit theaters or nonprofit uh, community groups that put on um, events. Mm -hmm. And then um, you have your kind of more traditional, like a theater that's that's trying to to produce a profit. But um, they also get all their their funding from um, from ticket sales, but also from sponsors. And kind of like uh, like a normal like festival or a normal normal uh, venue that you might think about, where sure. they they have different like places where they get their revenue from. Okay, and ticket sales sponsors, but also what I find really interesting subscribers too, right? Mm -hmm. How does yeah, that so work? The subscription model really is is a big deal in this world because um, uh, most performing arts centers pr produce entire uh, an entire season. And mm -hmm. so they might have like a whole set of different shows um, that you could buy a subscription to. So maybe it's like the entire season or maybe if they're presenting like a whole bunch of shows, it might be like a music series or uh, a dance series or they, they'll build different um, subscription um, series that people can subscribe to. And, and what that does for the, the Performing Arts Center is it provides them uh, a lot of their... Um, 
like recurring sales. Mm-hmm. They have like an audience that will will get subscriptions on a on a yearly basis. So it mm. provides them kind of like a guaranteed income and allows them to be a little bit more adventurous with what they book because mm. they might have something. Uh, for instance, I heard a presenter talking about how who. Uh, will book these Broadway shows, these touring Broadway shows, and he knows they'll sell out. And so that gives him the ability to to book something else that might be uh, less well-known or might be like a little bit more of a financial risk um, because it's an act that he thinks is interesting or he thinks that might be, um, you know, something that he just wants to, they want to present to their community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the kinds of acts that performing arts centers, also known as PACs, um, book. So touring Broadway, we've established, but, you know, most of the audience listening right now are touring musicians. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll just, yeah, break down the kinds of acts that that PACs book. Sure. So performing arts centers... uh a lot of uh, the work that goes through, a lot of the acts that do well are Mm -hmm. things that people can relate to in some way. So a lot of tribute acts do really well, Mm. but also um, anyone that someone's heard of in some way um, that has any sort of buzz going on or is related to something they already know. So a lot of acts that actually do really well are um, acts that have some unique twist on something. So for instance, my band does electro swing, which is Mm -hmm. electronica meets swing music. Um, But I've seen other bands that do like metal mariachi, uh, which is metalachi, I think is the name. I can't remember (laughs) the name, but anyways, they like kill it. The, you might've seen on, um, uh, like on YouTube, uh, the there's like a Piper band that mm-hmm. does like rock music, um, mm. and like a Scottish bagpipe band, um, or but also also groups that um, do original music and are just like really intriguing or uh, just have a great great uh, put on a great show. Also, artists that do you know singer songwriters that that um, really connect to their audience well, um, but basically acts that can um, be easily marketed are the ones that do the best. So for instance, Celtic bands and Celtic dancers, those always do really well because that's something that's really easy to market for the performing arts centers to be like, listen, we've got this Celtic band coming in. Here's some videos. People Hmm. go, oh, I know what that is. And pretty much right away, they might think, oh, I either like that or I don't. And pretty much everybody likes Celtic music to some degree. So that's an easier sell. So um, the artists that they want to bring in. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> well, a lot, let's just say a lot of people do. Okay, okay. Um, so, no, that makes sense. I mean, it, it's kind of, um, it's less about selling the name of the artist necessarily and more about selling the event mm-hmm. to their subscribers because I guess uh, unlike a traditional music venue where the venue is selling tickets to a different show every night and 99% of the people that are showing up to the club know that band or there to see that band. This is more community focused. They're programming events uh, for the community. And so whether it's like the uh, Celtic rockers or Celtic mayhem or the Celtic superstars or (laughs) a night out with Celtic, Rayburns or whatever it's like (laughs) you know it's all the same essentially in the sense that they can market that like you said and kind of sell that to the audience so people are going to take chances because they know that the programming they basically stand by their local performing arts center's programming and you're saying I don't know is there like a breakdown of like um, how many like subscriber numbers versus cold ticket sale numbers or just like Mm -hmm. is it majority subscribers is a majority ticket sales um, show, I think it's it's different per per community but uh, okay. what I hear often is like maybe 40 or 50 or 60 percent in that range might be subscribers um, and then the rest are are individual sales um, but it really does depend on the community if there's some communities where the the majority of theirs are subscription sales and somewhere mm-hmm. it's um, we just performed for one recently where they didn't have any subscriber base Mm. which was really unusual, but, um, yeah. Um, well, one thing that's really cool about that though, is like you were talking about their programming, um, which is how it used to be for, for clubs, right. And other venues too, where right. people would go to the club cause they knew they would be able to see something great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it allows them to have a program that that varies. So maybe you have the Celtic band. They're not going to have five Celtic bands in their program. They're right. going to have maybe one Celtic band, and then the next the next act might be a singer songwriter that does original music, or yeah. it might be a dance uh, troupe that's presenting. Mm-hmm. Or they they need to have like a varied program. They want to have a varied program so they stay interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm browsing my. I was like I grew up in in Madison, Wisconsin, and and I'm looking at the, uh, the it's the Overture Center for the Arts. Um, actually, I'm gonna do this. I've started doing this a little bit. If you're watching this right now, you you can see. I'm gonna share my screen quick here. Um, but I'm like on their programming page, and everything kind of just saying is like, okay, so we see the Pretty Woman, the musical, but we also see uh, an evening with George Winston. Okay, so he's he's more well known. But then here's the Prince tribute act here. Uh, an evening with Fran Lebowitz. Okay, um, a little bit more famous. Uh, Aaliyah. We have the hip hop Nutcracker. Interesting. So now we're getting into kind of Christmas programming. We have the Straight No Chaser group. That's they've been around for a while. Um, and the, we have Wynton Marsalis. Okay, another name. But it's so varied. We have another musical, Hades Town. Um, Gabriel. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to kind of guess from this, uh, from this uh, rather a larger theater. Yeah. Um, there's the Red Hot Chili Pipers that I was talking about, actually. Um, and a lot of. Oh people my that- gosh, I didn't even catch that. I'm like, oh wow, they have the Red Hot Chili Peppers coming. It's like, no, the Red Hot <laughs> Chili Pipers. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, there they go. Um, they do have a big theater. Uh, actually, they have multiple venues. So like this mm-hmm. one, for instance, uh, the Red Hot Chili Pipers bagpipes and with attitude. This is their description. Bagpipes with attitude, drums with a Scottish accent, a blazing rock band and show so hot it carries its own health warning. It's bagpipes. It's rock. It's Bangkok. ACDC meets the poet Robert Burns, where rock anthems sit comfortably alongside the great tunes from the glens and the mountains of Scotland. The Red Hot Chili Pipers, not the Peppers, a nine-piece ensemble. This is a great bio here i mean man i it's like it really really sells it and this photo is incredible of them too um that makes a lot of sense but then we're looking at right next door is black violin mm-hmm. which uh do you know these guys i've never yeah, heard of this they're okay super super successful um they've been they kind of have been blowing up the last couple of years cool um in the in the performing arts market mm-hmm. um but one thing i was saying is like this yep. is a bigger theater it's got um kind of uh a lot of different variety but um a lot of, of bigger artists um okay. and a lot of people that get started in the performing arts center market um when you're not very as well known mm-hmm. you might be performing at kind of smaller theaters or mm-hmm. like you mentioned the that that particular performing arts center had different stages yep. you might be on a smaller stage um right. and then as you get known through conferences and through uh through word of mouth because the presenters all talk to each other um you you might you for our experience and the experience for the people we've worked with, they've moved on up to do bigger and bigger shows. You mentioned two buzzwords that, which bring me to my next topics, uh, presenters. What are presenters? Mm -hmm. Presenters are anyone that's presenting an act. Uh, so they're the people that's how, who, how we describe the performing arts centers. We call them presenters. Uh Um, so they're the people that are bringing, bringing in an act to present to their community. Uh, in other, are they like talent buyers, promoters? I guess in the club market, uh, you know, cl- we call them promoters. Is, mm-hmm. is that interchangeable? Is that kind of like they're pr- the promoters for the performing arts centers? Yeah, they they're you can, can you can think of them as as bookers as for the mm-hmm. performing talent arts buyers. centers. Got it. Yeah. Okay, bookers, talent buyers. Okay, so in the performing arts center, they call them presenters. Got it. Um, now. What are the ranges in terms of uh, like what are these people? What do you get paid to play at a performing arts center? Um, you know, like I don't know how many of these acts necessarily have massive followings, mm-hmm. but they have really great uh, marketing materials and a really great bio that sells it. It's like okay, I've never heard of the Red Hot Chili Pipers before, <laughs> but like I reading that bio, I was like, oh, this sounds like a fun night out, and no wonder they're charging sixty six tickets for it. <laughs> Um, it seems like that could be something, uh, you know, that a lot of the community would just take a chance on because it's mm-hmm. presented by a reputable organization in town, which is their um, performing arts center that they know and respect and love. And it's kind of an act that 
seems fun. So what do the bands make? What is what does Good Company yeah. make? What do other bands make that don't like have you know massive fan bases or Spotify numbers or whatever, but are you know doing these these this market? Yeah. So uh, it's a really good point you bring up that. Uh, our band, Good Company, is not very well known. Um, I would say that probably nobody watching this, unless we got some, some of my family watching it, probably yeah. knows who Good Company is. Uh -huh. And if we went out to, you know, Ohio to do a show, we would be drawing 10, 15, 20 people to a show. In a club, yeah. Um, and we would be getting paid negative money. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but that doesn't matter uh, when you're at a performing arts center and the the rate the rates they're they're used to paying for for entertainment. Um, the rates vary pretty wildly depending on um, the venue and uh, and where you're coming from and what your act is. But the minimum I'd say that I've ever played for uh, from this market was for a festival that was local and that was like a thousand dollars. Um, and the the most uh, that we get paid is like around the ten thousand uh, dollar mark for a show, um, and it, usually a little bit more if we're doing like outreach or there's some other things. And that's that's not counting um, the travel and the lodging and and uh, sale merch sales. That's that's just a base flat fee. That what's the so ten thousand dollar and how many people in your band? Uh, we have six. Six people. So let's say, what, what was what's the average amount? Would you say, or the the typical amount you're making for uh, performing arts centers? I'd say it's. Um, well, I'm like a workaholic. I I don't. I try to have as much work as possible. I would say the average is around um, maybe five thousand. Oh wow. Um, okay. So I mean, that's not. I mean, that's incredible for a band without a fan base uh or a, much of a fan base you know like in in the spotify numbers are you know negligible youtube numbers and it's like in this era where everyone is obsessed with the numbers uh you know like good company um wouldn't be able to get five thousand dollars from a club in the states uh, to headline show anywhere uh but you're commanding five thousand dollar uh performance fees regularly in this market which is really incredible and it's like something that you know is and it, it, the thing is is it's like it, it it flips the value proposition on its head because in the club market the whole thing is we're gonna pay you based on how many drinkers you can bring to a club because that's what we care about as a venue all we care about as a venue is how many how, what's our bar sales going to be that's their business model mm -hmm. but the business model for performing arts centers is not about selling alcohol it's about providing uh entertainment and programming for the community mm -hmm. and because of that they're hiring entertainers and paying people to entertain they're paying people for their work novel concept um and uh and it's something where because you guys uh put on a great entertaining show uh and you've proven yourself now time and time again in the market um and and you're known now in the market that's why you're able to command such fees um when your numbers necessarily like in this other realm in the in the mainstream music industry what we you know are so obsessed with and we talk about all the time uh you would never see and so there's this like really interesting niche market that you've found your your place in um, um is that is that somewhat accurate is that kind yeah, of yeah absolutely um yeah. i felt like for a long time i was kind of in these two different worlds because i was trying to do the same uh, thing that I think most artists do, which is try to play club shows and try to do bookings. Um, and it was really, it was kind of a crazy thing where we would, you know, I'd book a show with the performing arts center that would pay, you know, thousands of dollars. And then we'd play the next day at a city, you know, a couple hours away and, and get the door, which would be, you know, $12. Yeah. <laughs> a couple <laughs> of drink tickets. <laughs> After and, their expenses. It's like, Oh, you actually, Oh, <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah yeah um no no and i i feel that it's, it's like you know i have a lot of experience in the college market i've played uh oh, over a hundred shows in the college market and, and it's similar like when i was um I, I don't do colleges anymore but when i was doing the college market um at my peak 
I mean, I was playing towns where I had zero fans, uh, you know, but I would get two, three thousand uh, dollars as a singer songwriter showing up um, at, at the top end, sometimes as low as, you know, eight fifty or fifty. Like you said, similar, it would cover all my expenses. Like they would fly me out. They put me up in a hotel. They'd feed me and all that stuff. Um, and it, because similarly, colleges hire artists to come perform um, and basically entertain their students. They they need to provide programming for their students. It's not about uh, your fan base necessarily. It's just like we want to provide programming. And I, and I feel like there's some parallels here. But the difference is, is just like um, in colleges, the acts that do well in the college market are the ones that appeal to college age kids. Mm -hmm. So we hear this all the time in the college circuit. Um, you age out. If you're over then like 35 or even like kind of 30, like you don't, it's not really something that uh, you're not probably going to have as much success, I should say, in the college market than if you're 25. Um, when I was crushing it, I was doing it when I was 25 and I was booking so many gigs and everything because it's like it's, they can relate to you. It's like, oh, you're kind of like us. You're just a couple years older than mm -hmm. us. And that, that makes sense. But what I found in the performing arts center market, um, most of the acts are actually uh, far older. I mean, you know, it's like I was just looking at uh, some of the lineups of some of these other PACs. And it's like, oh, yeah, it looks like most people are honestly in their 40s, to be honest. Do you find that? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of older folks. I, I think a lot of people, a lot of the acts, um, well, like, I come from Seattle, and Seattle's not super well-known. Seattle's super well-known for its music, but it's not super well-known for its, like, professional people that have their shit together in the music world. <laughs> and, like, similar to the college booking world, like, you, part of what you're getting paid well to for is to have your shit together and yeah. be able to yep. do a show and be... Uh, you know, responsible, show up on time. Um, and it's, it's different than, than performing at a bar. Um, but, uh, in the performing arts world, there's not a lot of young people that have it figured out, um, mm. at that time. Um, I, I will say that when there are young acts that showcase, they usually get, and they, they have their, their act together and it's a good production. People are really excited about it. Mm, the okay. presenters, presenters do respond to that well and they're always the presenters are always trying to reach out to different audiences okay. so they generally speaking subscribers uh tend to be a little bit older but they're always trying to reach out to young audiences for their ticket sales and to convert them into new subscribers gotcha yeah and that makes sense i mean uh these 65 dollars tickets that i'm seeing listed for a lot of these events you're not targeting uh college age kids for that like no 20 somethings necessarily are going to go or typically showing up to these shows unless they're going with their parents and it's like yeah i i think that's a big um uh, big difference there is that like yes the subscribers and the people buying the tickets are definitely older older probably 50s 60s 70s um you know in the age bracket so you mentioned uh this a few times and i and i want to touch on this you mentioned conferences mm -hmm. You know, the presenters, seeing them at conferences and all of that stuff. Uh, can you explain, I guess, where what what are conferences and how that has anything to do with with performing arts centers? Yeah, absolutely. So I was really lucky because um, I found out about this world and about conferences and all all this craziness uh, from performing in a different band. I, I used to perform in this uh, trad jazz uh band called miss rose and her rhythm percolators <laughs> you were playing trumpet i was playing cornet actually cornet um, oh for the for the who, who are not familiar with the multiple iterations <laughs> of uh what a uh a brat, a brat that looks like a trumpet could be a cornet is just a smaller trumpet this is actually a cornet right here nice yeah. hey cool all right <laughs> nice um, so, uh, we went and performed at a conference, Arts Northwest, which is, uh, a booking conference, which a uh, booking conferences are where, um, presenters come together to see different acts and meet with booking agents and meet with individual performers to, uh, develop their, their seasons. So at these conferences, 
uh, you have what are called showcases, which are are, are um, performances where where uh, performers will take get like twelve to fifteen minutes to mm-hmm. give a short uh, performance in front of all these uh, presenters. And so after that, there's a uh, um, like an area marketplace where you have booths and you can meet with the presenters uh, directly, talk about your act. Um, there's um, so at these booking conferences, there'll be the presenters, there'll be independent artists, which is how. Um, we started out how good companies started out and then you have booking agencies that represent um different lots of different artists um have a whole roster of artists um the main thing at these these booking conferences are the showcases because basically Mm -hmm. like you said ari there's there's these um a lot of these artists you you never heard of before it's 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 they these presenters they do book people that you've heard of before uh, on occasion you know they might if somebody's touring through they might um, be able to book, you know, like Macklemore played at the Admiral Theater, which is in my hometown, which is a performing arts center. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but they, the most of the artists they book aren't aren't really well known. So these conferences, these showcases, are a chance for them to get to to see the the acts, see what they're about, see if they'll be a good fit for their upcoming seasons, and then to talk with the artists themselves or the booking agents and find out their fees, requirements, all that good stuff. Ah, and I'm assuming uh, all like these conferences happen all over the country mm-hmm. uh, based on just like the region. Is there a, so like in, in the college market, um, you know, there's NACA, National Association of Campus Education. APCA. Uh, I don't actually know what APCA stands for. Either way, there's these two major uh, organizations that run the all the conferences for uh, the college in- uh, industry and uh, buyers, they call them like campus activities boards, the students essentially that are in charge of the budget will show up to uh, and, and showcases and book from them. Now, everyone listening to this person is thinking about breaking into the colleges. Don't even think about going to NACA on your own with an agent or without uh, learning deeply, deeply, deeply about this. Now, it's the reason I have an my book about this is the reason i have a whole course on it for always taking care because it breaks my fucking heart when i see all of these musicians they hear naca once and they're like oh you can make a bunch of money breaking into naca or breaking into the college market if you just show up in naca so they literally spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get a membership fly out to naca to pay for the showcase submission fee to pay for uh you know the boo to pay for the day pass it's literally thousands of dollars in the end. Like, oh, it's going to totally be worth it because I'm going to make, you know, two grand a gig. And you can book like Ari said, you book 50 gigs at one of these NACA conferences, which I did. Um, but not by myself. I had an agent. Um, then they show up and I'm like there in the booth and I looked and I just showcased, had a great showcase and everyone wants to come talk to me and they all want to book me. And then I look to my right and there's an artist there who paid thousands of dollars to get this booth and to show up and to submit to showcase and they're not showcasing and now they're sitting there in an empty booth nobody wants to talk to them nobody books them and now they have to fly home empty-handed thousands and thousands of dollars in the hole and it destroys me every time i see this because i'm like man these guys are so talented they deserve all the gigs but like you said it's not about uh, it's not, it's, it's more about, do you have your shit together? And it's more about, do you know how to go about this? And so I'm curious in the, spe- in the performing arts center conference world, world uh, is it similar to that NACA or how does this? Yeah, it's very similar because I'm, I, I think it's really helpful to think about it from like the presenter's point of view. It's like, why would a presenter hire someone that they haven't seen showcase that uh, you know, they don't really know about, they don't have any, if they're not an agency themselves and they don't have any sort of gauge to where this is, this act is, is going to do a good job. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really, you're, it's really similar. We talk about all the time, how it's all about, uh, like making connections, making community, uh, making, um, uh, relationships with different people so the mm-hmm. conferences are the same way where the conferences are really there I've, there's been conferences that i've gone to i've gone to the same conferences for years and years and there's been people that i've um presenters that i've known for years who haven't mm-hmm. booked good company and then maybe after knowing them for five years they they they'll send me an email like we'd, we'd like to get you this year or mm-hmm. next season okay you no know? yep. and that's that's a long for for 
for musicians, like five years, that's a lot, long time to put in. Um, but that's kind of the way it works. You have to develop these relationships. Now, I won't say that, like, I, I we just had um, in our course a student that went to his first conference ever in Montana, and mm-hmm. he blew it, blew it out of the water at his, yeah. his showcase, and he had um, a line at his booth of, mm. of Montana bookers that wanted to awesome. bring him out to their community. And yeah. he's he's booked booked a ton of gigs out of it that that's can happen too i've seen well that's because he had training from you <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing i mean so basically what you're saying is just like don't go in blind and i yeah. think like that's the thing it's just like a lot of like yes the reason that he was successful is because he put in the effort you know uh a student in a course on an art center the uh learning all about this from you an expert in this space followed all the steps uh, got the, you know, got that showcase on following the steps, then went there, killed the showcase because he was well-prepared and knew exactly what to do. And that's the thing. And it's just like, even the showcase, which is not a guarantee so hard to get at a lot of these things, um, you still need to know how to deliver at that showcase, which is a very different, how long are these showcases? quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service, for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and you get that distributed and um, into your account immediately they do lyrics and credits distribution for free they have a very innovative analytics platform where yes you will see real-time analytics for spotify apple music but also pandora deezer soundcloud and peloton they're the only ones that do peloton Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used And it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange. And they have a fraud prevention tool. And they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Uh, showcases are, are only like 12 to 15 minutes. They're crazy really short. Um, yeah. Wow. And so you like you have to know what are you going to do in this 12 to 15 minutes that is going to wow people and while the presenters who are in charge of these 10 these thousand, you know, insane budgets. And you really need to know, like you were saying, everything you're talking about, the reason why our student did so well is because he knew they came to the booth and they're like, what's your rates? Is that mm-hmm. an all in rate? How's your, what are your block booking rates? What do you do for outreach? These are all terms that like when I first started out, I was lucky enough to be in a band that the band leader for that uh, muddled through it all and had to figure out how it was. And I could kind of just observe, but yeah. if you don't know that, they're not going to want to book you if you don't know mm. what your block booking rates are. Block booking is when you book with several different uh, presenters at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an answer for them for outreach, they're not going to want to book with you because a lot of presenters get f- grant funding 
from artists, artists being able to do outreach. What is outreach? Outreach is anything in the community that you're doing uh, to, you know, spread art and 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 basically uh, provide a cultural service to the community apart from your uh, your performance itself. So a lot of artists or a lot of presenters, especially in rural areas, will apply for grants. Uh, ah. that, that give them funding to bring out artists and you you can um, negotiate uh, performances for that where you get paid an additional amount for doing outreach as well. So that's like, interesting. So if any yeah. of you have ever been to like a school assembly where there's like a band that comes in or uh, you know a speaker sure. or um, I've done it like for retirement homes, I've done it for schools, <laughs> I've done it for community centers, libraries uh, and being able to offer that is really important as a um as a performer interesting so i mean man in other countries uh artist grants are quite common especially in canada canada does a really wonderful job of supporting their artist community uh we don't do so well in the states uh there are very few artists that i know uh securing grants from the government to support their art uh it does exist but it's mostly packaged in this kind of capacity where if you're uh doing community outreach for the community the local there's a lot of different steps it's not like oh you're an artist and we want to support the arts because we think it's going to better our society uh like canada does it which you can apply for grants as an artist in canada and people do it all the time which is incredible and amazing i wish we did that in the states but this is more so a bunch of different steps basically like if you can put together programming for the community then community centers can apply for this uh, grant and then they can essentially like funnel that through to the act because you're doing programming. Give me give me some example community outreaches for these touring musicians that are coming and playing these. Uh, sure. So uh, one thing that's really nice about it too is like you don't act, you're not the one that has to do the grant application process. It's that's through nice. uh, the the presenters and they typically have a long history of doing it and they know okay. exactly what to do. <laughs> Um, so different outreach, I, I would say the most common is probably like school outreaches, which is where, uh, a school might come to the theater you're performing at, or they might come to your sound check, or you might go to a school, um, you know, the, before your performance, or maybe the morning, uh, the next morning after your performance, where you perform and give maybe a, 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 a speak, a talk on, on some aspect of, of whatever you're presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, other really common things are, um doing like we're actually we're doing a swing dance for a show in uh next year where before our show we're going to just do a do a open open swing dance lesson for uh, for the community yeah cool and, and outreach can be really um do you swing dance i do yeah all right well i mean it makes sense it's good you you front a, an electro swing band <laughs> swing dance that that's uh yeah nice that's great cool fun and and outreach can be really uh it uh, can be really, really fun and really, really varies in what you can present. Um, you, I have a buddy that does an entire presentation on uh, stage fright, and it's awesome. Oh, really funny. Cool. Uh, really connects with people, and and yeah, that's a super fun thing. We've we've done tons of outreach, and outreach usually t- lasts like an hour or an hour and a half, sometimes forty five minutes. Uh, we've done like instrument petting zoos, or we've worked directly with band programs. Um, yeah. Kind of, a whole bunch of different stuff but if there's something like passionate about about your what you do or or anything that you have like that you think is like a really cool thing to share with people you can develop a, an outreach on it cool okay so um if someone is uh looking to get into this market um they think that they have an act because uh, that's the other big thing it's just like you know, it takes a very specific type of artist, type of act, type of performer and perform, perform and group that would succeed in this market. Um, as we kind of looking at some of these examples, uh, it's becoming clear now that it's it's not just your average rock band or pop band or hip or singer song or whatever. It's not can be marketed to the local community, like you, you know, good company and electric or tribute acts or, or whatever cover bands. Uh, are you, so if someone's listening is like right up our alley, what would you recommend the steps that take into this? Yeah. So I would really recommend, um, 
not <laughs> like like what you said, not just hopping in with both feet because you're going to spend a lot of money and not necessarily get any sort of return. I okay. think that learning from someone that's done it before um, and and has made the, the mistakes before you is really important. So whether that's like joining us in our course, um, which I think is the best best uh, best way to do it, um, <laughs> or if, if you're like, you know what, like I, I'm not ready for that yet, then reach out to people that are in that scene. Can sure. you, if, you, if there's anyone in your local community that, that is performing at performing arts centers, or you might look up, um, you know, your local performing arts center, seeing who's playing there and maybe emailing them directly and being like, hey, I'm kind of interested in this world. Or cool. you can reach out to the conferences directly. Uh, there's, chances are there's a conference in uh, close to your area. There's several ones. There's ones across the nation. Mm -hmm. um, there's both stateside ones, state statewide ones, and national ones and regional mm -hmm. ones. Cool. So there's a lot of different uh, conferences. Um, you can reach out and find out more directly from them. But... Um, yeah. I actually had a friend that that uh, she um, immediately joined APAP, which is the nat nationwide one, and spent the money to be a member, and was planning on going to APAP. And she in New York, which is in New York, and is the yeah. most expensive one, and it has all these different things that are very specific to APAP. Sure. Um, and if you don't know it, you're just you could be there just in a sea of of people, and and. It, be an expensive trip to new york sure. and luckily i was she reached out to me she was like hey i heard you're involved in this uh can you tell me something about it and i was like oh yeah i wouldn't recommend doing this i would recommend starting you know i gave her some pointers like maybe start here you know i'd be happy to take a look at your sizzle reel which is how you apply for for comfort for for showcases and how you market yourself and so it's like this whole big world with like hundred things to know and I think that if you you don't have that solid foundation you're just not going to succeed and you're going to mm. be a little bit frustrated that's a really good piece of advice um, I mean like I was saying the travesty that I witnessed at every NACA conference that I went to of artists that just that tried to go at it blind uh, and they read like articles and they're like oh I got it I know how to do this and it lost uh, yeah, and you waste a ton of money. Right. Like, you know, before I met you, I, I'd heard of APAP. Uh, I, I literally I, I asked my friend who performed arts and it's like, so how do you how does somebody get involved? He's like, well, I don't I don't I don't know. Go to APAP. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. That's great. All right. I cracked the code. I did it. But I'm glad I didn't because <laughs> I would have been one of those uh, artists completely lost in that sea of thousands of people um, not understanding. But, you know, the booker, even the booker. Uh, the the presenter rather you know at the performing arts center uh, didn't really know how they know how they do it and they're like oh we find our acts at APAP so that's what we do mm -hmm. and you know which is like a very narrow part of the industry and that's on the buyer's side and it's like they have their way of doing they don't really know how the behind the scenes all of it works like oh we just like look at these showcasing artists and cool we book our entire season from that but it's like there's so much that goes on behind the scenes I want to mm -hmm. change gears a little bit. Um, because Good Company also excels in um, kind of the wedding scene, the corporate world, other mm -hmm. private events um, that, you know, you know I'm not too familiar with. I haven't done, uh, you know, I've done a few mitzvahs back in the day, <laughs> a couple of wedding, weddings back in the day. And, you know, friends asked me to play at things here and there or whatnot. But like, I, I never really um, jumped to that. I have friends who, who do some of this, but talk about uh, the corporate world and the private event world and, and that whole thing that, that you also all kind of how all that was. Sure. So we kind of fell into, I had played weddings and uh, for basically my whole like musical career with different groups. Mm -hmm. And we kind of fell into it um, for good company because uh, we provide something's really unique uh electro swing. there's not really um other electro swing bands um in the u.s there's one other now it's in eugene they've been around for a while now um but we're we're um one of the one of the only ones so we would get a lot of people that would find us on on just googling or uh. just just uh you know we'd pop up when they'd search for electro swing band u.s um yeah. So they would reach out and they'd be like, "Oh, we love you. You, we love swing music, but we want something a little bit different. And um, do you guys do weddings? Blah blah blah." And so that's kind of how we fell into it, cool. and that's also how we fell into doing 
corporate work as well because event planners would reach out to us and be like we have a great gatsby event we have a roaring 20s themed event um are you available for that mm -hmm. and so when we started off we were like oh yeah, I remember specifically asking the band at one rehearsal, like, we're going to, I'm going to book shows, but like, do you guys want to play weddings and other things? I'll be able to pay you, you know, X amount. And they were like, yes, we want that. We want to not work, you know, we want to make money for playing music. Right. So back then it was like, I'll pay you $200 each to play this wedding for mm -hmm. two or two hours. Everyone was like, awesome. <laughs> and, um, and then over the years, we've just like raised our rates and raise our rates and we've gotten known to all the wedding planners and event planners in town um, as like a, a good band to work with. So most of our work now comes from referral. Um, mm. And we, that's that's the majority of, I would say most people that, everybody that plays in my band is full-time musician and um, they play in different projects, but I would say um, good company is their number one income. Mm. And uh, that's how we make like 99% of our money is from performing art centers and and uh, performing private events. We're playing a wedding and, this Saturday. <laughs> nice. And and you mentioned um, wedding planners, event planners. Can you speak to, to what those are for those of people listening who've never planned a wedding or sure. worked with an event planner? What are those? So event planners and wedding planners are pretty much uh, are really similar. They They... And most, most wedding planners also plan events as well. And what wedding planners and event planners do are they just uh, plan out the minutiae of an event. Mm. So that a uh, big part of that is contracting with what they call vendors. And vendors are like catering is a vendor. If they have lighting, the lighting people are a vendor. Sound is a vendor. And the band is another vendor. So Because you're when, selling your services, vending, vendor. They're selling your services mm -hmm. of the band of music. Okay, got it. Yeah, and a lot of times in this world, uh, you might work directly with uh, event planners and wedding coordinators, and then sometimes, and with weddings, you tend to work a little bit directly with the couple themselves. Oh, okay. um, but they're basically their job is to make sure the trains run on time and everything okay. goes smoothly and all that stuff. Everything's taken care of. Um, so by um, over the years, like having done weddings and had had successful weddings, successful events. Um, the wedding, we got a reputation for event vendors or not event vendors, event planners and wedding planners that we were, uh, good people to work with. So they started recommending us to all their other clients. Now you're slightly different because I know the wedding band, Mark, I got a, a lot of friends who, who do play in, in, uh, wedding bands in that market. And, and there's like a book, there's like, you know, the hits and, and that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, we're going to have, they're going to play uptown funk and you're going to play, you know, whatever. It's just like uh, all the other wedding songs that that people know and get people out to the dance floor. Are when you play weddings, are you doing that book? Are you doing those covers and and the standard fare that everybody knows uh, is going to get played at a wedding? Yeah, a lot of times we will get hired because they like our original music, but um, you know, by the third set, there's always some relatives that are like, "We want to hear shout." So right. like, we have a pretty big book. We want to be in that world. It's like it's really not about uh, like performing for yourself. It's about providing a service. Mm. So we view it that way that we're getting paid well to provide a service. Um, sure. We want to make the client happy. Um, so we try to have a, a, a pretty big, um, pretty big repertoire to be able to, to accommodate that. And, and I come from a world, I went to, to school for trumpet performance and the people I work with are, are tend to be um, people that, that have just been playing gigs their whole lives. Mm -hmm. um, we try to um, be malleable to get the gig. So, yeah. for instance, we have a gig later on this, uh, a couple of months that is uh, James Bond themed. So we're digging wow. out all the James Bond tunes. We're learning them. Cool. But we're happy to do it because it's going to pay everybody in the band's going to get you know paid 500 bucks for the show. Nice. Yeah. So. Nice. Now, if someone doesn't know any wedding planners or event planners or something like that, is there a way that an artist can be proactive at trying to get these gigs? Yeah, absolutely. The the um, you can really just literally Google event planners, wedding planners for uh, whatever area you're in. Okay. Because if you because these these planners want to be found, they want to be found by clients. Sure. So um, 
if you're an artist and you're looking to connect with them, um, they should be easy to find. And then I would just reach out and, and well, I shouldn't say that. I should, I, if I were somebody that was getting started, I would want to develop what I had to offer first before oh, okay. reaching out. Sure. Because really, you only get one chance at a first impression. But That's if right. you'd like to find out more about about what you should offer, mm -hmm. um, I would I, I would reach out to an event planner and be like, "Hey, do you, do you mind? I'd love to take you out to coffee and just talk to you about what you're looking for when it comes to working with a band." Cool. Or, uh, and you can do that same thing with people in your area that are already in the in the market. Nice. Um, because like it tends to be, you'd think it'd be competitive, but and in some ways it is, but in other ways, musicians usually just want to help each other, mm -hmm. and a lot of times you can, um, you can help out each other in in like for instance, like if my band's not available, I'm going to recommend my friend Marina's band, mm, cool. and you know if if I my my bassist isn't free, um, maybe I'll grab the bassist from her band and he can mm -hmm. sub for me. So. Oh yeah, the freelance. I mean, hired guns. That you know, it, that's why every basis in town should know every other basis in town so they can <laughs> sub out their gigs and then get subbed in when that person needs right. a sub and that that whole thing and then absolutely now what about some of these third party sites out there like mm -hmm. i've heard of um gosh uh what is it the bash that used to be called um gig masters uh, gig masters right and then uh gig salad is one out there there's like thumbtack thumbtack what what else is out there? there's also bark dot com okay it's, bark is really bad but it's, okay. it's there um yeah and there's uh, a couple other places where you can get uh placed you can get your uh, like a placement like wedding wire is one um so, so explain what these services are and do you recommend them yeah so they are basically like um uh, directories for lack of a better world word of vendors okay so there are places where uh, uh, somebody's getting married somebody needs a, a, a vendor for an event they can go to like the bash.com and search for uh, these different vendors mm. and inquire about rates um, and the vendors will have like a profile um, so it's like it's a little bit like it's a, it's like a booking agency basically but mm. it's um, it's not um, now it's different from a, a typical booking agency because a typical booking agency is going to be curated and it's mm -hmm. going to be, um, you know, a sing an artist or a booking agent that's representing all these artists. This is really more you pay a fee to the website to be listed, mm. and then you directly interact with. The, and you have your profile there, like videos, your bio, video, picture, bio. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. So it's it's kind of like your resume. It's kind of like your website, but like you're mm -hmm. just your sellers. Uh, resume website right there but meeting their criteria so it's all uniformed um and what what are the fees we're talking about how much are these to sign up for these sites um the different sites are a little bit different in what they charge uh i would say the bash is like the most reputable um okay. and its fees are like oh we have there's a uh, spreadsheet of these fees on the course and i always forget what they <laughs> oh, yeah, like, it's like a few it's like we're talking like hundreds of dollars yeah it's, a, it's a like year, a month? Uh, probably like a thousand ish a year okay maybe it's a little bit less uh, mm -hmm. for the for the the bash um but yeah somewhere around there you can expect to pay like maybe like um 60 to 100 bucks a month depending on they also have different like levels of of, sure. of um and how do you do you book directly through these sites or do you just list your email and they email you? Yeah, the sites would prefer you to book directly through them because typically the sites will take a fee to um, to be listed and then they will uh -huh. take a booking fee, which is typically like five or 10 percent. Um, so mm -hmm. when you book directly through them, um, they'll deduct that fee. And usually mm -hmm. the caveat of like why you wouldn't just book directly yourself um, okay. is that you uh clients can't leave reviews unless you book directly through their site ah got it okay so that that's how sense. they hook so, you right, right right okay so you pay the you know 100 bucks 200 bucks or whatever to get on the site but then it's the five percent booking fee is what the what they take ah like an agency except it's it, agents typically are taking 10 percent um okay interesting cool um and uh in terms of and, and like the gigs there for these kinds of third-party sites, um, 
they range a bit. I mean, are these like these are this is just for the kind of the private events? What kind of gigs are we talking about on these sites? Yeah, so um, weddings, uh, corporate events, um, mm-hmm. um, like we're about to get booked for a memorial uh, mm-hmm. service off of it, but also like. Um, yeah, like uh, kind of anything that you might think of that's that's like private. It's not a club. Every, every once in a while, there be there might be somebody that's booking for like a festival, mm-hmm. but that's pretty rare. Um, yeah, my my singer songwriter friends, uh, they're on some of these sites, and I know like they get booked to do proposals, like mm-hmm. like hire them and like set up over there in the park, and we're gonna walk by, and when I get down on one knee, you're gonna play her favorite Ed Sheeran song. And I'm right, like, oh, okay, right. fine. Like, and we'll pay you uh, five hundred bucks. It's like, all yeah. right, fine. <laughs> yeah, sure. One song, five hundred dollars, deal done. Yeah. let's go. <laughs> we just did a really elaborate wedding um, where it was one song, and it was uh, "Love Goes" uh, by Sam Smith. Okay. And it was this big, his huge production, and it was like one song, uh, twenty five hundred bucks. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. <laughs> it's like that's like on The Bachelor when there's always that one moment or that that one episode where like they take the you know on the date, and then there's like some artist playing that one song, and it's up there. Yeah, that's that's funny. That's cute. Cool. Well, this has been so informative and um, so helpful. Um, you know, how can people learn more about Good Company and all of that? Yeah, well, you can find out about Good Co at, or Good Company um, at goodcomusic.com. Good Co was already taken, ah. and so we had to put the music at the end of it. Goodcomusic.com. So good if you'd like to find out about like all the crazy stuff I do, yeah. I just launched a booking agency called Rayburn Entertainment. Amazing. Um, and um, one thing I wanted to say, oh, and if you'd like to find out more about all this stuff, like you should check out course that i run <laughs> it's, Ari's take academy baby let's do I, it Ari's take academy i think yeah. honestly like one more thing about it like yeah. the thing that i think even if um like out of everything that you can get out of the course i think the 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 part that we have about how to negotiate rates uh, is, yeah. is really really uh valuable information and it's, it's from years of me undercharging and not knowing what to do and not knowing how to negotiate <laughs> sure. rates and yeah. i would say out of from personal, from friends, from people I work with, from people in the course, that's the question that you get the absolutely most. How mm. much do I ask for this gig? Yes, yes. And in the course, we go through how you can get the most uh, for for each gig, and how mm-hmm. you can um, make sure that you're you're you know working with a client to to reach an amount that's the most that they're comfortable paying, and and that you're happy to get that dance man that that dance i've done and and right it's really like yes years i'm sure it took you to to, to figure out how to do that dance and and i say I, I did the same dance for years where uh you know it's always kind of like uh they say what's your rate and whatever you say if they say sounds good to that you're yeah. like shit i undercharged myself because like yep. the, you know it, it's it's but it's a dance because then if like you throw out a crazy number then like they never, you never hear back. And then it's mm-hmm. kind of like, ah, oh, crap. I, I threw out the time. So like, yeah, h- how you describe it and how you really lay out uh, exactly how to negotiate. I think you're right. That is probably the most valuable part. One of the most valuable parts of the course. And that, that was like the light bulb that went off. It's like, oh man, that, that is something that uh, it took years mm-hmm. for me to master. I still don't feel like I mastered it, but you've mastered it. And so that was really cool to kind of uh, see how you laid that out in the script that you give the students. And that's, that's super valuable and helpful. Yeah, it's really it's crazy because it's really honestly the difference between like we were negotiating something and like you I always have like the minimum in my head of what I want to play for. Mm-hmm. And in the minimum in my head for this particular gig was like 3000. But because I knew how to approach it, uh, we ended up getting 7500 for the gig. Hell yeah. Wow. <laughs> OK, it's really crazy. And like that's not and that wasn't me like squeezing all the money right. I could. Out. Not, it, yeah. Like the You're client is it. super happy with that. Yeah. She's, 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 uh, uh, thinks like, cause for her, it's like, I'm getting this great value. This band right. is playing for 75. That, that's like worth to them. A yes. lot of musicians are always thinking like, ah, if I ask for too much, like, uh, I'm going to seem like it's ridiculous, but no, like right. the more money somebody spends, the more worth they are in their mind. That's right. right. It's the higher value. You got to know. That's why, yeah. Know your my, value. That's why my $200 Converse shoes are so much more nice than my $50 Goodwill <laughs> ones or whatever. And that's why a $50 bottle of wine tastes yeah. so much better than a $10 bottle of wine, yeah, right? Absolutely. right. <laughs> cool. Well, Carrie, this has been great. I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. That is, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? 
Yeah, um, I think that's an awesome question and something I always, I, I'm a big fan of Ari's take <laughs> uh, for years. And I am always struck by people saying that uh, the answer I see the most, even from people that are really successful in one facet of music, is uh, to make a living doing music, is, is what they mean is making it. And I was thinking about that um, recently. And I think now, um, after the pandemic, um, I, I felt like before the pandemic, I was always in these like different worlds of the grass is always greener on that. I wish I could be like that artist that's touring all the time, or I wish I could be at that artist that's got these sync placements that I want. Mm -hmm. um, and now I think that making it for me, I think making it is different for different people. But for me, I think it's being happy with where I'm at in my career. Mm and not always chasing the next thing that I think I should be doing or that I'm unhappy that I'm not successful in this field. Um, I think right now I'm really uh, feel happy about like my trajectory and what I'm focusing on uh, and I'm getting rid of all the stuff. Like I suck at Instagram and I've sucked at Instagram for years and I would force myself to do Instagram. And yeah. I'm chucking that because that's not right. me. That's I'm not successful. I've never been. I'm not going to be. I can just leave it. Nice. Um, so that to me, that's making it for me is is being being happy with with uh, where I'm at and what I'm working on. That's some enlightened stuff, Carrie. <laughs> Carrie Rayburn, thank you so much. That's great. Thanks, Ari. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. And once again, quick shout out to my partner, Bandzoogle. You can design any website on Bandzoogle, get 15% off, and a 30-day free trial by using the code Ari. That's Bandzoogle.com. Use the promo code Ari. Aight.